Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance and Clavio. You listen to myself, James Gerd. I'm flying solo tonight. My co-host, Paul Rogers, is otherwise engaged. Um, we've got a cracking um, episode and an interesting guest for you. So uh, let's just set up and I'll introduce you to him. Well, first of all, thank you for everyone for joining back in. And if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, we hope you enjoy it. Um, we'd love you to subscribe to get new episode alerts. And we'd also love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. Thank you. So our topic today is driving checkout conversion with Parrot's SMS payment solution. Uh, SMS marketing has seen strong growth in the past few years. In the US, it's always been quite ahead of the UK and other parts of Europe. But actually, Europe, um, SMS use has taken off um, in the last few years quite significantly. Marketers are looking for differentiation given how crowded email inboxes are and looking for more personal ways to communicate and smarter ways to help people with customer experience and improving checkout efficiency, etc. Hence why we're chatting to, to, to um, Parrot Mobile today. What we're going to cover is um, Parrot's SMS solution, how it benefits e-commerce teams, integration with existing tech stacks, the commercial model and impact. So let's welcome our guest, Osa. How are you doing, sir? Doing good, doing good. Thank you for having us on the podcast today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, we haven't covered SMS uh, um, uh, marketing and payments, so this is a new topic for us, which is uh, it definitely interests our audience. Before I start asking you all, uh, all the questions, we've got in our discussion guide. Can you give people a flavor? You're the CEO, so talk, give people a flavor of who you are, what you do, and also what Parrot is. Definitely, definitely. Again, Osa, guys, founder and CEO of Parrot. Uh, Parrot is a new kind of checkout for e-commerce businesses, and the way Parrot is different really is that we treat the phone number as the primary way to remember someone and to authorize future payments. And so you can imagine if someone's on your website, they put their number in, boom, Parrot checks them out automatically. Or if they're just sitting on the couch and you send them a text message, they can also respond yes. And because again, it's the same phone number, Parrot can authorize them. And so uh, we focus again on checking out uh, you know, customers who you want to buy from you repeatedly. And so you know, we think that the future of mobile really is focused around mobile checkout and less on desktop checkout. Excellent. And uh, you're obviously a um, recent startup, but in growth mode. As CEO, what does your role encompass? What are you focused on? Yeah, you know, uh, before starting period, I was a lead engineer at MailChimp. So for most of my career, I spent a lot of time uh, behind the keyboard kind of programming. And last two years of Parrot, you know, founding a company, raising money, a lot of my job now is you know, selling, like selling parent to e-commerce merchants, you know, being on the phone with them, customer support, right? Making sure the customers are happy when they implement our checkout is how their customers buy from them primarily. And third, fundraising, you know, as you can imagine, that's a, a large part of what we do uh, as startup founders is try to get people to, to support us in our journey. So that, that's what my job is. But, you know, a couple of years ago, it was mostly, you know, working on, on engineering stuff. Excellent. It's useful, isn't it? Um, uh, an owner and, and founder of a business with the engineering background in technology is useful to understand uh, some of the challenges businesses have into integrating and implementing. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a. It's you know, it's one of the things that I didn't like in school. To be honest, I didn't really like computer science. I kind of just made my way through it. Uh, but then I think over my career, I found that there are moments where you know, even kind of in the in the kind of customer support CEO job, you know, you have to understand what the customer means when something breaks on their website or when uh, a database record isn't showing up the way it should. So I think it's been very helpful, even though you're not touching your systems any, you know, any any significant amount anymore. Cool. So um, a key question to help people who haven't come across the before really understand what this technology is. 
How would you describe it? Is it a standalone checkout that sits alongside retailers' existing checkouts, or does it? Is it a payment method that integrates with their existing e-commerce platform? Yeah, good point. Um, so, for most merchants we talk to, we explain Parrot as a separate checkout, right? Uh, so, when someone presses checkout on your website, Parrot will actually redirect them to Parrot, right? Uh, it still will look and feel like your brand because Parrot is a white-labeled checkout, which means will actually make it look and feel exactly like your brand. Uh, it just, you know, isn't going to be uh, in your existing checkout. And the reason we do that is because we found that for most brands, we talk to their existing checkout, especially if they run on Magento or, you know, big commerce is so broken uh, given the needs of the modern young consumer that it's just better to like rip it out, put Parrot in um, and then figure out, you know, what, what ways we can, uh, tweak the pair of checkout once it's white labeled to look and feel like your brand. So your customers are happy rather than trying to cobble together some mismatch of like our checkout and like your old clunky checkout. And um, I'm going to skip forward actually uh, to, on the integration stuff, because that, that links in quite nicely with one of the questions we, we talked about, which is how does the integration work? So I imagine a retail listener will think, okay, so that's, it's integrated, it's branded, therefore it's, it, it looks like a consistent customer experience, but what is, how does it work? Is it an iframe? Is it JavaScript? Is it a separate URL? What's that customer journey? Yeah, so the customer journey, and I'll actually use one of our customers as the best example because it's easier for me to explain, uh, you know, without having to come up with some like other story. But one of our customers is a baseball equipment brand. Uh, they sell baseball equipment to parents who want their kids to play baseball here uh, in, in the US. And so what they'll do is, on their website, you'll go, you add to the new card, let's say a baseball bat uh, or some gloves. And then when you hit checkout, you will be redirected via some JavaScript. It's a parrot checkout uh, JavaScript that we install on the e-commerce merchants' uh, websites. So we'll, we'll put you know a piece of JavaScript there. So when the consumer hits checkout, we'll redirect them to a separate URL, a separate page that looks and feels like the brand because we'll white label it and we'll you know, do some color styling and their logo. But for the consumer, what they don't know, similar to the experience they have with PayPal or uh, a better example is ShopPay, right? Uh, you don't know you're going somewhere else because it still feels the same. But the reason we do that is so that Parrot can, you know, recognize, okay, what is the cart information that the person was viewing uh, on the website? And then uh, what information do we need to collect from them, like their phone number and their credit card to get them through their first checkout? And then once they've done that first checkout, the experience is actually very similar. They press a button that says checkout once they've added something to the cart. And instead of, you know, asking for the credit card again, the second time they check out with that brand or any brand Parrot supports, Parrot will just be like, send you a text and say, hey, uh, we saw you were checking out from this brand. Just confirm it's you and we'll automatically complete the checkout. And so you can think of that as kind of our answer to the one-click checkout uh, problem. Okay, so there, there are some similarities with um, uh, what, what fast payments used to be then in terms of it's a separate um, payment mechanism, but it, it stores and remembers and it enables quick checkout for, for subsequent visits. Yeah, you know, to, to be honest, when we saw Fast and, and Bolt and these folks start to get a lot of press last year or realized, you know, very quickly was that something that we had known for a long time was becoming kind of generally known by merchants, right? And, and what, what we mean by generally known is we believe fundamentally that one-click checkout is table stakes for any brand who wants to do significant revenue 
on mobile in the next 10 years, right? Like you just can't expect people to pull their credit card out every single time when they want to buy something on their phone. On the desktop, like it's maybe a little easier. And then secondarily, we realized that for a lot of brands, having someone put in an email and a password every time they actually want to go use that credit card is also a non-starter. Um, and so that's one of the reasons we built kind of that one-click checkout feature. But we think, again, one-click checkout is table stakes. Um, we wouldn't recommend that merchants focus too much energy there because um, it's something that should be very easy for a company to turn on for you. You shouldn't spend a lot of you know uh, cycles kind of debating whether or not one-click checkout is good or not. And um, in terms of um, like future plans, are, are there any um, plans for, for uh, offering like an API integration? So the integration would be people not redirecting to a separate URL, but it all being done within their existing um, domain and URLs, or is that further down the line? Yeah, you know, that's something we actually built support for initially in Parrot. Um, and we, we haven't really, we haven't had a lot of merchants say to us, um, hey, you know, if people get redirected, that's bad for my business. And we think part of the reason merchants are not as sensitive to that as we thought they would be when we first started building Parrot two years ago was um, ShopPay kind of came out, right? And ShopPay said to every Shopify merchant, if you are going to use ShopPay, we have to redirect people off your website when it's time to check out. So even though it's still, you know, all owned by Shopify, like your website, for instance, is owned by Shopify, ShopPay is owned by Shopify, right? Um, they're going to keep people on your website, your domain, until they hit checkout on the cart page. And so we think that, you know, long term, there's going to be some debate as to whether or not, you know, taking people off the website to complete their payment is good, or whether or not keeping them on the website and kind of like a, like a iframe or a pop-up is good. Um, our approach has been, you know, Parrot is really just an API to take someone's phone number and then to charge a credit card that, you know, that, that they have on file with it. And so whether we collect that credit card on the website or, and, and complete the checkout there, or we do it on a separate page, or, you know, in some future, maybe we just pop up a, you know, a, a you know, kind of a, a separate iframe on top of your Instagram or your TikTok and you check out there. So for me, checkout, I think in the future is going to be universal. And the only thing that will remain true is not whether you're on the website or not, but um, whether or not you are near your phone and can like respond to a text. Uh, interesting. So the API exists. It's just that that nobody's demanded that that integration yet. Yeah, yeah. We're we're still waiting. I think we we you know we think it's interesting, and we we see people you know bring it up. So we're always let them know like it's there. You know, just let us know. You know how 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 you're thinking about deploying. Yeah, I find it an interesting discussion actually because the, I think there's historically a lot of thinking, especially in in, in um, UK and Europe, was taking people out of your website for checkout was bad. But I think a lot of that was down to some of the old payment gateways and their integrations being poor. So actually the user journey was really awkward and not branded and not smooth. And that was the issue rather than the redirect itself. So it's interesting to hear you say that your customers are using it and quite happy with the redirect process. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think a, a lot of what excites us about being in the checkout space um, and, and even SMS, right, at large, because a, a, a lot of the reason we're able to build, you know, that one-click checkout experience where, you know, you're on a website, you know, you put in your phone number and then we send you a code. It's like, boom, like, is it you? Um, put in this code so we know it's you. Uh, it, I think a lot of that came out of the fact that consumers are evolving so quickly that um, we're having to learn, right? Because I think to your point, we also thought five, 10 years ago, 
um, that redirecting people off the website was going to be catastrophic. Um, we, we thought no one would actually do it, right? We thought like, people would be so scared that they would be like, why am I leaving the website? But I think yeah. um, Shopify has definitely educated the American consumer in a certain way. And, and we can also expand to the, the European consumers and the, uh, and the Canadian consumers who also use Shopify in some way or another, even though they don't know they're using Shopify. And so I think long-term, we're going to start to see consumers behave um, you know, in ways that maybe 10 years ago would not have made sense from a security or even from a user experience perspective, just because they're so used to mobile um, and this radically different experience that kind of starts from Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. And then you referenced the baseball um, company. What type of business is your product targeted at and, and what, what type of um, business do you think it best suits and why? Yeah. So when we spoke earlier, you know, one thing I said was one click checkout is table stakes. Um, the reason we say that is because we think that most businesses in America, um, again, I, I live in America, I'm Nigerian uh, by birth, but I came here a long time ago and you know, naturalized. Um, so I often speak about being American. And I think part of that is kind of just trying to understand the American consumer. And one thing we've realized is that, you know, American consumers, myself included, are very lazy, right? So one click checkout is table stakes. Um, like, but what we mean by that is, being able to remember me when I come back to a website, especially on my phone, so I don't have to do anything. And like cookies are not really a good option because as you know, cookies are fading out. And so what we often tell merchants is before you think about whether or not you should talk to Parrot or, you know, talk to Bolt or, you know, go build your own one-click checkout on top of Stripe, um, ask yourself a fundamental question, which is, does your consumer, right, whoever buys your, from your business uh, need to ever buy from you more than once a year? And the answer is yes. And okay, you know, that's step one. Step two is, do they need to buy from you more than once a quarter? Um, I think in either of these scenarios, you really do need something to remember who they are, whether it's email password or some sort of one-click passwordless uh, checkout method. But you need some way to remember who they are and their credit card and their address so they can check out later. But if they're only going to check out from you once every three years, I don't really think you need to remember their credit card information because to be honest, by the time they come back, their credit card's going to be expired. But yeah. a lot of brands will push back and say, no, actually, I know that I need my consumer to buy from me once every month, once every six weeks to make my lifetime value math work. And I've already built the marketing machine to hit them in those various touch points. And so like, those are the brands we really push for to use Parrot because they know that they've got a, a checkout problem, right? Which is not really like my checkout is fundamentally horrible. It's more, I need to remember people when they come back. And what we tell them is, well, okay, what's the best way to get in touch with that person? Assuming you got a phone number for them and a credit card for them and an address for them, what's the best way for you to get in touch with them so they can quickly authorize payment for something else? Whether it's a product you went and handpicked for them, or it's a product they told you they wanted last month, or it's a new thing you just release from your brand. And we tell brands there, use texting to reach out to them because with SMS, if you're, you know, if you've got some technology smarts uh, you know, in, in your in your organization, you can actually use that same phone number, send them a text. When they say yes, uh, I do want the thing, you can then use that phone number to authorize a charge to that same credit card. Um, and, and so that's why we think it's really important for businesses to think about how many times do I need someone to buy from me? And it doesn't really matter, right? Coffee is an example of a thing that you'd want to buy every six weeks. Um, one of the brands we're about to start supporting sells baby food, right? So that's a thing that you need to order every couple of weeks. 
Um, uh, it turns out baseball equipment or rentals for baseball equipment, when you rent a, a bat for your kid, you need to kind of confirm that every three to six weeks uh, legally here in the U.S. So, so there are a bunch of different sectors that have this kind of unique problem of people needing to buy. But as you can imagine, there are other sectors that we've had to turn away. For instance, uh, we had a brand who sells uh, kind of tractor equipment, right? So think of like trailer tractor equipment. Um, and they had a thesis that like SMS could be interesting for them or one click could be interesting for them. But in that case, we chose not to move forward because as you can imagine, we don't really think it, it makes a ton of sense to be sending people like farming equipment over text, right? Uh, to buy or to be, you know, storing their credit card for purchasing more farming equipment because people just buy that so infrequently that uh, it doesn't really make sense to hold that credit card for a long time. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's interesting that, that basically the focus is on, it seems a consumer packaged goods, I, I would have expected that makes sense, but the baseball one's an interesting example. So it's really about frequency. Um, do, are you noticing, are there any are there any price points emerging in the, in the trends you're seeing in terms of which type of product and brand this suits well? Is there a price ceiling or does it work? Is it working in premium goods as well? Yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now uh, is kind of sub sub $200 uh, USD. So I think that's interesting to observe. I think we haven't yet seen like, you know, people doing premium or luxury, like two, you know, a thousand bucks or more. But we, we did see a brand sell, you know, a CPG product, uh, kind of like a, like a hand cream product uh, that was a kind of a hundred bucks per. And, and they sold out of that, which, which I think was surprising to me because I, I didn't think that people would kind of automatically say yes to buy something over text. Uh, in that kind of one-click way for something that, you know, uh, you put on your face, right? Like, it, it's, it's face cream. And I think I, I was used to buying that in-store or, like, buying that, um, you know, in, in a very kind of in-store way, I think. But now a lot of consumers, because of COVID, are used to spending 200 bucks, 300 bucks on one purchase online and just kind of, you know, assuming that if it, if it doesn't work out, they can always return it, right? Because it's all direct-to-consumer. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I've seen, I've worked with a few premium brands where WhatsApp um, has been really, really important as a concierge kind of connection of you know, personalized service connections with, with staff, but also from a selling point of view. That's why I was interested in the SMS bit and I'm wondering where the premium space will go. And another question linked to that is because um, you talked about the, the e commerce and the online um, payment benefits people of one click. What about omnichannel? Are you working with anyone at the moment where they're using this for in store payments, or is that just not your current focus? You know, it's interesting because we have a lot of brands ask us about in store payments, and we have to be kind of careful because, uh, like I mentioned before, Parrot is ultimately just an API. Um, and one of the first things we, we worked on for one of our customers. Uh, they they're a direct to consumer fashion brand, uh, fast fashion. Think twenty dollars t shirts, uh, screen printed, and they're doing quite a lot, a lot of volume, about a million bucks uh, a year. And what they said was, we actually do pop ups. So we'll go to a store uh, or an event. We'll put up you know a couple of signs, a lot of merchandise, and and we'll sell there. And what they wanted was a QR code that you could just scan a QR code, and then uh, when you scan, it would automatically just pop you into a checkout for one of the products that they had. Um, physically there. Uh, we had another brand who was a, a charity come to us and say, hey, we've got charity events. It'd be nice if folks could just scan something on a charity and donate you know, a couple of bucks via text. Um, and so we, we built a couple of one-offs, like POCs for people, and, and they've all turned out really well. Um, we did something similar for a rapper here in the US uh, 
you know, again, to prove out the concept, but we don't really focus heavily on in-store or, or pop-ups or QR codes because um, we think that's part of the long-term roadmap and the next five years we'll get there. But in the short term, we've just been hyper-focused on serving merchants who are using um, the, the standard e-commerce platforms like BigCommerce, Magento, and WooCommerce. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. So that's interesting. So the, the QR code process, it, did that just link to a custom um, branded um, checkout URL for them then? So the, the, the way we, the way Parrot works under the hood, uh, to kind of get down the details a bit, is when a merchant comes to Parrot and says, hey, I, I want to use Parrot as a way to collect um, money from people uh, with, with the consumer's phone number, what we'll do is we'll buy a phone number for the merchant. And Parrot can Parrot has an AI that kind of runs it. Parrot can recognize that anyone who texts that merchant's number is attempting to purchase something. Um, and then we'll also inject ingest the product catalog for that merchant so that over text we can have a conversation with someone automatically. Like Parrot can have a conversation with you about buying something, even though there's no human being at the brand, right? So if you say, Hey Parrot, I want to buy this product. Um, Parrot is smart enough to know, okay, this is a product you're saying you want to buy uh, based on a QR code or based on a link. Uh, and then second, Parrot can find out, okay, how much is the charge? How much is, sh- is shipping? And can send you a text back and say, hey, here's the price. And then here's shipping. Reply yes if you want to buy it and, and we'll collect your credit card. Or if you, ever have, if you have a credit card already on file with Parrot, we'll just say, cool, we have your card. Um, and, and so the, the way we do it right now for QR codes is you'll scan the QR code that automatically will open up your messages app on your own phone because there's some iOS tech that, that makes that very easy. Android has it too. And then you'll, the consumer, will actually send a text saying, hey, I want to buy this thing I've scanned. That's all built in the QR code metadata. And then as soon as you send that text, Parrot will respond and be like, boom, we, we know what you want to buy. Uh, let's get your card. Or if we have your card, we know what you want to buy. Are you ready to check out right now? Reply yes, please. And one of the um, kind of key selling points on the on the website is about these power solutions built to help retailers improve customer lifetime value. I'd love to hear about that because lots of people talk about lifetime value, but don't necessarily measure it accurately. Um, have you got like a case study where it's been validated on a live site yet? You know, how how is the impact being measured by your your customers? Yeah. So when we think about lifetime value, for for me, I break it down into you know, two, two buckets, right? The first is how do you make sure the original purchase, like the original checkout is as smooth as possible. And I think part of that has been us focusing on making sure that we can go to a merchant and say, Hey, here are all the things that are wrong with your current checkout. We know it's wrong. You know, it's wrong, but you know, of course, like we're not going to hold you to like trying to fix big commerce or fix WooCommerce or fix Magento. We're going to come help you solve that problem. And so we think like that's the first place we recommend merchants think about lifetime value is like, don't think about the customer after you've gotten them a checkout, right? Think about them before they check out. I think some merchants call this abandoned cart, but for us, that's part of lifetime value. Because if you, if you can't get someone over the hump because your checkout doesn't have address autocomplete or address validation, or uh, you, you, you know, are, are, are not collecting the right information at the right time, or you have too many steps in your checkout, 
then you've already kind of hurt yourself on lifetime value because someone just really won't even go through it. But once you've got that that credit card on file, the second thing we have merchants think about is, okay, you've got the credit card on file. Uh, I, I mean, that, that is what your checkout should be doing because if your checkout is not storing a credit card on file or is asking for a username and password to save that credit card, um, again, your lifetime value is going to get hurt because now you're putting a lot of friction in the consumer's path when they want to come back and make a second, third, fourth purchase. And so when we think about the the, the subsequent purchases, we think there are kind of two ways to think about it. One is to drive the consumer back to the original channel, let's call it the website, where they bought so they can put in that username, password, or ideally put in their phone number so you can just automatically check them out again. But the second question we always ask merchants is, how do you get to that consumer in a different channel that's not the website? So whether that's email, SMS, so that when you when you reach them on that channel, they're more likely to buy, they're more likely to respond and engage. Um, and, and, and that's where we think a lot of the lifetime value for a lot of brands, um, you know, really, really kicks in. I mean, what we're seeing right now in terms of, you know, data is that we're able to boost the brand's LTV by 20%. But a lot of that comes down to the fact that unlike other checkouts, Parrot can send someone a product either automatically or, you know, at a cadence that you determine as a brand. And we can ask them to buy additional things with the same credit card and phone number. And they're, all they have to do is respond yes directly to that text. And so we think long-term, that's where all the lifetime value for brands will come from is not by driving people back to the website because that's going to be expensive from a CAC perspective, but by using cheaper channels like SMS to get in front of them and then get them to immediately authorize a repeat purchase so that you can, of course, boost that lifetime value for that particular customer. Yeah, I, I think that feels like the most compelling argument for, the, for this type of solution is, is uh, where you have high frequency of purchases and, and logical repeat purchase and up and cross sell opportunities of doing that on a on a channel that isn't saturated, like email is so saturated, inboxes are so crammed with promotional messages day in, day out, that having a channel that you can sculpt more personal messaging through where the transaction is instantaneous rather than you're back to a website, you need to lock in, access your account. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and obviously, so, so Parrot's doing the payment side. I think what will be of interest to, to our listeners is, like, what is your payment stack? What's the, what, what's the payment gateway? Which payment methods um, are supported uh, at the moment? Is it just card? Um, that'd be useful to, to understand. Yeah. So today, when a consumer uh, hits add to cart on your website and then they hit checkout on your website, when they hit checkout, they don't know what payment options you're going to provide, right? I mean, I think most consumers are hoping you provide <laughs> uh, certain checkout options. and I've actually met some consumers in America who say like, I only, like I'll sort of bias to shop at websites that look like Shopify sites because I know they'll have, you know, they'll have a couple more options than some of the older sites that are still running on, you know, let, let's call it Magento, right? To be, to, to, to pick an example. Um, and, and what we're seeing there that I think is interesting is that for a lot of consumers, when you hit checkout, you have no idea what's going to happen. You you don't know what's going to happen. You you have a clue, right? You're like, hopefully they offer the ability to pay with credit card, right? Because everyone should do that. And so what Parrot does, but by default is we support credit card payments or debit cards, right? You can pay with a card because that's what we see a lot of merchants uh, collecting payments with, right? Like that's the, you know, no matter what your checkout looks like, the majority of your payments are just someone putting their credit card in or putting their... Uh, debit card in. And, and we think that's really, really important for merchants to do because yes, PayPal might be a good payment option to put on your thing, like your checkout. 
but you have to remember that no one can actually authorize a PayPal transaction without you going to PayPal, right? So if you want someone to, let's say, check out over text for a upsell or cross sell, you should not be using PayPal because that is not a credit card you own. That is not a payment method you own. You can't reference it. Uh, it's almost like a, a, a think of it kind of like a like a, a walled garden, right? Similar to Instagram, right? You can't really touch Instagram aside from running your ads because it's not your um, platform. I think that's the way merchants should think about credit cards. If you don't have a partner who's vaulting credit cards on your behalf, uh, which PayPal does not, uh, you don't actually have a consumer's card saved. You think you do, but that's a lie. And so what we tell merchants is like, you should actually be collecting credit cards and debit cards and vaulting them um, in a secure way, whether a partner does it for you like us, or you figure out to do it yourself on top of Stripe, that's fine. But don't, don't kind of lean away from vaulting or storing credit cards because that's going to hurt you in the long term because now you actually can't you know, go in your system, look up a customer, and then authorize a purchase for it because you don't actually own that merchant. PayPal has some workarounds for this, but again, um, you don't own the card there, and there's a lot of challenges around that long term. And so but for that reason, Parrot supports credit card payments, debit card payments. But we learned from merchants along the way that merchants really want to support being able to pay over time. So pay in four, pay in 12 are things that Parrot also supports. Um, we don't do that with a partner like a firm or Klarna because we found that those folks have some weird rules that scare consumers away. Um, Parrot just does it you know, natively because again, if we've got someone's credit card, debit card, and, and in the near future, we'll actually be collecting ACH as another option then we can just charge that card every four months or every every uh, every other month, right? To get that done for you as a merchant. And the reason we really think it's important to do, you know, this kind of hard work upfront to create Parrot uh, as a flexible checkout system is that it allows us to then add other things. So, for instance, we added Pay in Four last month. Uh, Pay in Twelve uh, has rolled out as well, but we'll start rolling out other options. Uh, you know, like you know, uh, put in your social security number or put in your uh, your, your banking information and will actually give you a small line of credit because we've seen merchants say, hey, you know, I, I like the affirm, affirm thing. I like the Klarna thing, but I want to do it a different way. So for us, it's all about collecting payments with credit cards and debit cards to start and then thinking about what other payment options are going to make the merchant's life easier and make the consumer's life easier as opposed to trying to like cram a bunch of options in upfront. So uh, one question that I know will definitely be on a few e-commerce people's minds is, is broad liability. So it, because the the the, the uh, retailer's passing the customer to you for the transaction piece and the payment, are you who who has the liability for fraud if there's like a chargeback or if a buy now for example a buy now pay later customer the product's gone out to them and there's no funds in the account for the second and third payment? How does that piece work? Yeah, so th the way we approached it today to to make our lives simple uh, again we're VC backed startup right we have to be very efficient with our time is. Uh, on the first front, when fraud happens, right? And I think fraud, there are kind of two types of fraud we think about um, primarily today. Which The first is someone bought something with a credit card. They paid for it, right? They, they, they didn't pay in four. They just paid for the entire thing. But it wasn't their credit card, right? Like they sold a credit card. I think that, that's the worst kind of fraud that we should be really afraid of, uh, you know, as, as people doing e-commerce. Um, because it's a case where like, someone bought something that you you should not let them buy, right? Because it wasn't their information. Um, but there's no way you could have known that, right? Because if, if a kid's buying something for 
you know, for a friend or if a mom's buying something for a son, uh, or if you're buying a gift for someone, right? Um, you may be using a different credit card than you are using uh, for shipping, right? The addresses might not match. So it's actually very difficult to tell when fraud is happening. So the question is like, what, what does Parrot do when someone calls their bank and says, hey, uh, you know, this person didn't, you know, I didn't make this transaction. Um, what we'll do in that case is we'll refund the person because legally we can't like hold on to that money. We'll actually refund it out of our escrow. So out of our balance, uh, not from the, from the brand. And then we'll go back to their brand and say, hey, like, you know, let's collect this. This is all automatic. It's not like we're, you know, calling people. Um, it's all automatic. The only cases where it gets tricky is when a brand's like, hey, um, you know, actually, I didn't know this was fraud. I've already shipped the product out. Um, and so in, th- in that case, Parrot will actually absorb the cost, right? Because um, that's a case where, you know, someone really did, you know, successfully defraud the brand and Parrot. And when we have to kind of accept responsibility, one thing we're doing there to make our lives easier uh, is because Parrot uses a phone number to check you out, we're able to, in real time, figure out who is actively defrauding, right? Because we can watch them uh, check out from multiple sites with their phone number. Um, and, and that's really good for us because it means that we can prevent a lot more fraud long term. And we already have some you know, large household name brands in America coming to us and saying, hey, can we use that fraud capability, this ability to watch people across the internet with their phone number and identify who are the fraudsters because it's very hard to make a new phone number that's verified by the carriers, but it's extremely easy to make a new email address. And so that's one thing we're doing to prevent fraud when it's a real case where someone is actively defrauding someone. I think in the second case where, you know, uh, that we think about around fraud is like, Hey, you know, it's, it's not really a case of fraud. It's just someone feels like they don't want to pay you after they've already gotten the products. Um, that's a different kind of fraud. So someone gets the product and it's like, uh, I, I like it, but I don't want to pay for it anymore. I'm going to go force a chargeback. Um, that's a different case. And that's a case where we will actually go back to the merchant and say, hey, if you haven't shipped it yet, um, let's talk about how to you know, actually reverse that charge. Um, but if you have shipped it, then you may as a merchant have to absorb some of that risk because Again, this is someone arguing with you about your product. This is yeah. someone saying, I've been legally defrauded by uh, Parrot's checkout system. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that's, a, that's a fair balance of it. Um, and the, 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 um, have you built your own payment gateway? Are you, uh, is, the, is Parrot's um, service working on something like a Stripe, for example, to do the, the transaction processing? Yeah, so you can think of Parrot as a, a reseller of Stripe. Um, that's kind of the best way to think of us is yeah. when you come to Parrot, um, we will actually go to Stripe uh, and on your behalf, we'll create a Stripe account for you um, with a special you know, special interchange rate. Like, you know, there's some niceties about going through us because we're a Stripe partner and um, we've got a, a special agreement with them. And, and one of, you know, some people on their executive, uh, executive team are, you know, invested in Parrot. So we, we've got some nice reasons why we, tell merchants to just let us make a merchant account for them. But a lot of merchants would come to us and say, I already have a Stripe account and I've already processed, you know, a couple of mil through it, or I already have a special interchange. And so what we'll do in that case, again, Stripe has given us access behind the scenes to just connect your Stripe to our Stripe. And we'll essentially run your Stripe now as kind of like a, you know, a, a, a child account of our Stripe and, you know, process your payments through it so that, you know, it all looks good and all feels um, natural for you and your brand. 
And then we'll also connect to your e-commerce platform, whether that's BigCommerce, Magento, or WooCommerce. And we'll just put the orders in there as they come in from the website or as they come in from the SMS channel. Um, and so long-term, we have a plan to you know, go to other uh, partners like Braintree, uh, like Aiden, and, and create partnerships there. So that if you're a merchant running on those platforms, you can press a few clicks uh, similar to Stripe, connect to Parrot, and, and be off their races within a week. Yeah, interesting. And and how does the commercial model work then? Because the the payments going through your Stripe account, you've got the merchant child accounts. Is it is it like the the classic multi merchant the multi tenant setup where there you have a commercial model and you you process and take the money, but then you pay the due fees back to the merchant into their child account? Yeah. So the, the way we do it today, that you know we, we may evolve over time is. Um, when we when we process the transaction, what you'll see on your credit card statement uh, is the merchant's name. So Parrot doesn't. The consumer never knows Parrot existed. Yeah. Um, they they might know if they look at the very bottom. It will say like powered by Parrot in some places, but you can't really tell it's Parrot. So your credit card statement will still say, uh, you know, the merchant's name, and that's because we actually process the the charge directly, uh, you know, within that merchant's child account. Uh, we don't actually do like a weird process. We'll do a charge in our account and then transfer it to your account uh, as a merchant. We'll just process it through your account because uh, as a Stripe partner, we have API access directly to your account. Right? Uh, okay, so, so you're not taking that transaction fee. You're, I take it you, you use the Stripe process to get the commission back from the merchant then for the transactions processed. Exactly. And so when you look on a charge uh, in, in, you know, let's say a ticket, a hundred dollar charge, for instance, for a pair of shoes, uh, you'll see a line item that says, you know, uh, you know, the stripe fee, which is 2%, for instance. And then you see a line item for a parrot, which say like parrot fee, 1%. Uh, So $2 goes to stripe, a dollar goes to parrot. If that's the the rate you agree with us, we we charge a 1% on average for our fee. Like we don't really charge any other weird costs. It's just like, Every time we successfully collect payment for something from someone using their phone number anywhere, we'll just you know, we'll tack on 1%. Um, and so for merchants, it's nice because they can look at their invoices uh, in Stripe and just say, okay, this month I, I collected, or this week I collected 100 bucks. I paid 2 bucks to Stripe for their service. I paid a dollar to Parrot for their service. Uh, and you know, uh, it, it, all, it all looks good for accounting. Yeah, I have to say, I have a soft spot for Stripe. I, I worked on a startup a good few years back, a crowdfunding startup, and the simplicity of the API for managing like transactions between parent and child accounts was really, really nice. The developers absolutely loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan as well. Uh, before before Parrot, I ran payments at MailChimp. That was you know what I really focused on. And we, we partnered with Square. Square has a similar API to Stripe uh, that, they've been rolling out for the last couple of years. And we also work with Stripe. What we found was that Stripe's API, to your point, was just so much easier to use, especially when you're dealing with, for us, you know, like hundreds, thousands of child accounts, right? Or thousands yeah. of merchants who are helping um, uh, back when I was at MailChimp, right? But I think now even at Parrot, we're, you know, serving a handful of merchants who are processing, you know, millions of dollars with us over the course of the year. Um, it's nice to have, to your point, the flexibility that Stripe offers um, and it's much better than the other APIs we've seen on the market. Yeah, and I guess also it helps you with your your go to market um, proposition because it's less friction and less time to get those child accounts set up, tested, um, and live and running. Therefore, it's not as expensive as it could be on other platforms. 
Yeah, yeah, spot on. That was, you know, we actually wanted to work with a charity uh, here in Stateside. And that was one of the big issues we had was that it was, it was so difficult to connect to their existing credit card processor um, that it just made it so difficult for us. Because again, when you think about Parrot, you know, credit card payments are one option, debit cards are another option. But we're going to roll out ACH uh, later this year. We're going to roll out, um, you know, lending as an option, which will all be native to Parrot. Um, but that that credit card piece, it's really important for a merchant, especially if they've already got a relationship with someone else they want to process credit cards through. Uh, you know, it's really important that, that whoever that is, whether it's Braintree or PayPal or Stripe, like that person needs to have really good APIs because it's not, um, it, it, it's no longer, it no longer makes sense to assume that your traditional website checkout is going to be your checkout forever because in the future, you may want to collect payments on Instagram. You may want to collect payments um, in store. You may want to collect payments. I don't know what the next app is going to be. Maybe it's something after TikTok. Um, and so we think it's really important for merchants to be thinking about the flexibility that, that their credit card processor offers um, long-term because that's going to affect how nimble you can be as an organization when you want to go try crazy new things. Like we want to collect payments in VR, right? Like, I don't know how you do that, right? But you need to yeah. figure that out as a merchant and make sure that whoever you work with um, as a credit card processor gives you the option so you're not just kind of tied down to your website as your only channel. Yeah, agree. You know, it's really, it's interesting, Simon, that we've done this episode today because the last few weeks, I don't know whether it's just I'm noticing it more, but there's been a lot of content coming out of the industry around rethinking payments for the digital era. There's um, a webinar that I've just got the the recording for um, with uh, the IKEA team talking about rethinking payments online. So I think a lot of businesses are thinking about this as as a few, you know the competitive necessity now to you know things are quite tough at the moment in a lot of markets. So anywhere friction can be taken off and anywhere process can be improved to make it easier for customers to transact. Then that that's the best approach possible. Yeah, spot on, spot on. It's 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 an exciting time to be in e-commerce. I think you know a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of what we're seeing post-COVID. You know, is is people still still wanting that convenience, still wanting that that frictionless experience that that they got used to during COVID. But I think now, especially given what's happening with you know um, the sort of geopolitical climate, I think people are even asking larger questions around like. You know, how do I want to live? How do I want to work? How do I want to, of course, interact with merchants? And I think for a lot of merchants, to your point, um, payments was kind of something we just assumed was solved. And I think now, especially in e-commerce, we're having to think through payments, whereas the, the brick and mortar folks have been thinking about payments for 20, 30, 40 years um, in, a, in a much deeper way than I think we have. I think when you look at self-checkout, you know, self-checkout in stores, or you think of Amazon Go, right, and, and what they're playing with in store. I think there's a lot of innovation happening in store and has been happening for the last three decades. And I think, ironically, we're just starting to um, <laughs> catch up, right? That taste of innovation has not yet hit e-commerce because the e-commerce was for so long um, so ahead of the curve. And I think COVID just kind of made us realize how behind we were. Um, yeah. So it, it's a good time to be in e-commerce. It certainly is. So, um, thinking about where you're at and where the where you're taking the business, what's in the roadmap? What's the focus? Is it about are you just focused on onboarding merchants, or are, are there new features and capabilities coming down the line? 
Yeah, you know, our, our primary focus has been onboarding, you know, merchants. Uh, like I mentioned, you know, we 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 just started onboarding merchants, uh, you know, in, in in July, and and what we realized very quickly was that a lot of our focus needs to be on making it very easy and cheap for a mer- for a merchant to test our parrot for a week and say, hey, um, is this better than my original way of checking people out? Right? Um, does this um, boost LTV, right? Like, I mean, to, to be honest, it's hard to tell if LTV is going to go up in a week, right? Anyone who tells you they'll boost LTV in a week is a, is a charlatan, right? But what we'll tell merchants is, listen, uh, we'll, we'll give you all the data we have that can indicate whether LTV will go up, right? We'll, we'll measure friction so we can tell you, you know, someone checks out on your website with your default checkout and it takes them about, you know, uh, three minutes, four minutes with Parrot, it takes a minute and a half, right? That's faster. Like maybe you should consider that as a, as a decision point. And so we can sort of offer a consultative process to merchants as they decide what to do. We'll realize that it's very important for us to be able to do that test cheaply and quickly. So a lot of our effort has been on onboarding merchants and then quickly optimizing our own onboarding processes so that it takes not a month, uh, which is what it took us for our first merchant, but now uh, a week and we're trying to get it down to a day. So you as a merchant can quickly within like a day, turn Parrot on, figure out if it works for you in a week. And if it does, keep on rolling. Uh, if not, uh, turn it off or roll the test out, right? Like make it a 60-day test to see if it really will help you and your organization move move much more quickly because, you know, it, 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 it's really the most important thing in your business. Like the, the point of sale, the checkout is the most important thing in your business. So it's not the kind of thing that we think merchants um, should be cavalier with. Right. And so we, we, we spend a lot more time working on onboarding and working on um, things that make merchants lives easier and, and less time on shiny features. But in terms of shiny features, we got some stuff coming. Like I mentioned, uh, ACH is coming uh, this year. The other thing that's coming this year is we're going to start rolling out self-serve uh, so that you as a merchant can actually do all the onboarding yourself if you want to try it out uh, and see if it works internally you don't have to you know go through our sales process uh, and, and we'll roll that out for for big commerce first and then we'll roll it out for woocommerce next since those platforms are kind of self-served by by default yeah excellent interesting times well good luck and and i really really enjoyed chatting to you um thank you for coming on and and giving us some detail about what parrot is how it's working um i'm sure it'd been interest to to our listeners if anyone wants to probe further on okay how how how, you know what's the integration path time cost etc uh how how do they reach out how do they contact you yeah, yeah. You know, if you're interested in, in anything we talk about today, whether it's checkout or SMS, we've got a great uh, website with a bunch of blogs and resources to educate you. That's getparrot.com. That's G-E-T-P-A-R-R-O-T.com. But if you want any more deeper information or, or small demo, or you want to just chat more about questions you got on payments, feel free to send me an email. I am OSA, O-S-A, at getparrot.com. Uh, and, and we'd be happy to answer any questions you have. Excellent. Um, thanks again, Osa. And also thanks everyone as always for listening. Do keep an ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Um, do subscribe. And if you haven't already, we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify or YouTube. Thanks very much. Until next time. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.